welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And speaking of music, the song that played me in is titled Table. It is by Frankie Cosmos, and it is from the album The 11th Hour Songs for Climate Justice, which is out on Sub Pop. It came out in October. If you go buy the album, 100% of the proceeds go to the Climate Emergency Fund, who is a great, uh, which is a great organization that funds climate activists, pays for legal fees and whatnot. I don't know if you know this, but often climate activists can be charged as domestic terrorists. Ironic, because it's the oil companies polluting the water and the air and fucking everything up. So they should be in jail. Isn't capitalism great? Anyway, speaking of Frankie Cosmos and all of this, Greta Klein is my guest today. And when I say today, I mean months ago, because this is the part two to the conversation. When the when the Climate Change album came out in October, I spent uh, October and November episodes solely dedicated to guests that were on the 11th Hour Songs for Climate Justice album. Greta and I had a great conversation. We talked for almost two hours, maybe more. So uh, the part two lived on Patreon for a long, long time. Okay, a few months. That's long, depending if you're impatient. Uh, But I'm releasing it because it was great. And I really enjoyed my conversation with Greta. She's groovy, as they say. So enjoy the part two. In the show notes, there's links to all things Frankie Cosmos and the 11th Hour Songs for Climate Justice album. There's also a link to the Climate Emergency Fund if you want to donate money. You can buy the album, donate money, do it. By gosh, do it. And there's all things, as I mentioned, uh, also... Uh, you could go to themattdwire.com and uh, become a Patreon subscriber. You could have heard this episode already. You could have heard it months ago. Uh, but there's a lot of part twos that live on there. I do blogs and all kinds of stuff. In the show notes, I'm linking the part one. So if you want to go listen to the part one, if you haven't listened to the part one, I hope you did. It was great. Uh, Greta Klein was one of those guests. That it was just easy. We just talked and had a good time, and it was like we were old pals having a coffee, which is what how I want this podcast to be. And I have a lot of those. I don't know why. I'm lucky. Maybe I'm good at conversation stuff. Uh, but that's it. Also, oh, real quick, if you need a website, kellyrdewire.com. That's my partner. We make children. She also makes websites. Not as cute as the babies that we made. But uh, she does a lot of big podcasts and artists and all kinds of stuff so if you need a website and that's it please buy the album it's very important the money with climate is things aren't going great and we just keep placating the corporations and not the not mother earth as they say and uh, i have two kids and frankly i'm fucking terrified for their future to such a level that i think when this episode airs I'll be on my way to Minnesota. I'm getting the fuck out of California because the water is so bad here. Anyway, that's an upbeat way to transition to my great conversation with Greta Klein from Frankie Cosmos. Yeah, I just read this great article by, I, I can't remember his last name, but it, he's from Galaxy 500, Damon. Oh, yeah. All about, like, the difference between stereo and mono, and he goes into, did you read this piece? No, but I I was going to say, I also don't don't know how to say his last name. Something Polish. We'll just say something Polish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I know who you're talking about. <laughs> but, like, it was, and it was just about, like, mono was, they more of how they wanted you to hear it. Like pet sounds in mono is because it's the way they can do the levels and it's how Brian Wilson heard it and how Brian Wilson wanted it heard. Same with the Beatles. Stereo was created because some guy was watching a movie and he wanted this to be able, like the way the sounds, like he goes into the whole history and I'm just like, I was like, oh fuck. My entire life I thought mono was bullshit because I didn't, because I was like, oh, stereo. Oh yeah, which was all marketing. Oh, yeah, and like, totally interesting. I'll see if I can find it. Yeah, I mean, as someone that really loves 
panning as a tool. Um, I think that's the only thing I associate with the difference between mono and stereo. So I would like, I maybe, you know, would, would lean towards stereo. Cause I like panning is interesting to me. What is panning? Like having something on the left and not on the right or like, Oh yes. You know, panning like a pan, I'll do like a double vocal and I'll pan them. So it's like, they're not both the same level in each ear, you know, yeah. each one utter in a different ear or whatever. Like, I think that's really um, satisfying. I mean, and I can't say this, this is just speculative, but maybe Damon is one of those purists where, cause there are those people who are so pure and it's like, but things change and evolve. It's like, you know, it's like going like, I'm just going to shoot on film when you can do digital yeah. and everything's easier. And it's like, well, it's interesting though, because if the Beatles or the beach boys weren't, you know, if they, or whoever else was meant was, you said was purposely wanting it to be mono if they're not using panning, it, do, it doesn't really matter if you listen to it in mono or stereo. Like, yeah. it, it's all about what the musician made. I mean, I think it would be so cool if I could control how everyone's going to listen to my album and make sure they have nice headphones, but that's just, like, not the case. Um, yeah. You know, everyone's going to listen to it like this. Out of their <laughs> and so I, I can't, but I can't mix it for that. <laughs> That's not what we're mixing it for. We're mixing it for nice headphones. So it's like, it's, uh, of course we're going to end up listening to the Beatles, you know, thing in stereo, even though it was recorded for mono. Like, it's just the way that it goes. Yeah. I mean, most of my music is listened to on headphones. Yeah. That's cool. Unless it's like I put on a record. But if, mm -hmm. but if I could sit in front of a stereo with headphones for like hours on end, I would do that. Yeah. I did when I smoked pot but i never was good at pot except if i was listening to music <laughs> Interesting. do you yeah. smoke pot or do no, you not? Not, I don't do anything good for you that's way fucking better yeah because i used I pot, I'm, you what i like pot oh <laughs> i quit drinking like almost two years ago and like i i'm just like i sit and look and i'm just like the fuck were you doing like what the fuck did you do with all that time like that was just I feel stupid. Congratulations. That's, that's a big deal. Thank you. It, it it's funny. Cause like, and I'm not a wild Zappa fan, but his whole thing of like, he was like, I like him being on SNL and saying like, everyone thought I was weird because I was the one who didn't do drugs. I was the weird. And I was like, that's a, like, it's so, it's such a weird we're so ass backwards as people. Totally. I feel like we're getting to a place where it's actually cool. It's, I mean, I've been saying this for 10 years, but it does seem like, it does seem like people are starting to think it's cool to be healthy. Yeah. Like it's, or it's a lot more accepted. I, I mean, you know, I think like a good example of a, like a metaphor for this is like, I'm someone who still wears masks in a lot of places where people don't. And, you know, I feel really grateful that my friends or people out in the world don't like give me shit about it or give me a funny look. Like I'm glad I don't live in like Florida where I'm going to get like bullied mercilessly for wearing a mask in the grocery store. Um, and like, you know, I, I really appreciate it every day. I appreciate it when someone like doesn't, um, you know, give me a hard time about it or like doesn't even acknowledge it. It's just like, Oh, that's your choice. And I, I've felt that way for years about not drinking where it's like, I haven't since I was not since I was like 20 has, has somebody been like, why aren't you having, just have one beer, just whatever, have a drink with us. Um, it's, it's so rare now that people say, why aren't, Oh, that's so weird that you're not doing that. And we're all doing that. It's like, I don't know. People are just more accepting or something. People have, have gotten very chill about not caring what you're doing. <laughs> Good. It should be like, it's so weird. Like that's what I grew up with. And it was like this and, and adults being like, like what, you're not going to do a shot. And it's like, no. Mm -hmm. And it, honestly, it, that's who I have it the most with is like my parents' friends be like, come on, a little champagne on yours. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm good. Like, thank you. <laughs> I think like two, and I'm glad because I read recently, like alcohol consumption is down between like ages 18 to 20 something. Mm. Weed and mushrooms, not so much, but, but I'm like, <laughs> booze is dangerous. Like as oh, a, totally. like it leaves you vulnerable to creepy, awful people. And it's, you can fucking fall and crack your skull. Like, it's just like, uh, there's the list of why it's dangerous is so long. And like, 
And as a parent of two girls who aren't even like in that realm yet, I'm like, I've like had moments of panic where I'm just like, fuck. Yeah. Awful guys being like, hey, just have a drink. Like, and I used to yeah. work in bars, so I would witness that shit all the time. Totally. I mean, the music industry is built on selling alcohol, so I'm, I'm totally part of the problem too. <laughs> Yeah, I felt like bad bartending. After a while, you just see so many like dark, drunk people. Like, it's just like, oof. I'm, yeah. I, I'm not much better than a drug dealer. It's the same fucking thing. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's not your fault individually, obviously. You know, it's like, it's just the way that our world is, but it's, um, it's pretty bad. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it's one of those things, that it's really hard to control with your kids what they're going <sighs> to you know, how interested they're going to be in that. I feel like I had a really good drug education at my school. I went to a private school and I remember having a really good, uh, like seminar about drugs, um, where they basically, I mean, and I'm paraphrasing here, but they were basically like, if you're going to do a drug, just try weed. (laughs) And that was kind of the, it was like, these other ones will really be bad. These will really fucking ruin your life. And and weed's not going to necessarily ruin your life was kind of what I took away from it as like a fifth grader. And, um, and that was my mom's kind of perspective too. Like that was what my parents, you know, they were like, just don't do like, just don't, don't do that other stuff that is, will ruin your life, you know? And, uh, and so I think having a healthy, that kind of like, not like don't try anything, don't be, you know, don't be, a normal kid at all or whatever. Like, I think that will maybe send you in the opposite direction. It's just, it's hard to control it, but yeah. Is the talk to them about it and, and make them feel like they can talk to you about it. Like, you know, yeah. I'm comes. <laughs> Does, because you're a younger generation than mine, is that, is there still the romance about the anguished fucked up artist or is that kind of left the world? I hope. Cause that's just fucking stupid. I think there is. I mean, I think a lot of, I think, I think I'm an outlier in terms of not, um, not doing a lot of that stuff and especially not drinking, but, um, I think whether or not there's like even active peer pressure, like whether or not people are saying, yeah, have a drink. It's like the, the peer pressure comes from just wanting to be normal and wanting to have a good time with everyone else. And, um, that's the part that's really hard to teach, you know, like it's hard to be like, it's easy to be like, don't, you know, peer pressure is bad. Peer pressure is when your friend like makes you do something you don't want to do, but there's this like other more kind of like nebulous, uh, peer pressure of just like be normal, just be like all every other band that drinks a case of beer every night or whatever. Um, like and gets paid and drink pickets and whatever like this and then goes out partying after the show um you know i think that that is a different thing yeah and weird feeling like a weird i think anxious people particularly who feel weird all the time you know anything to to fit in would be (laughs) would be nice um i think there is still a tortured a tortured uh addicted artist uh character out there that is that people struggle with for sure. That's odd to me. I was reading about, I mean, it just seems like, so at this point, like cliche. Yeah. And I was reading about uh, meet me in the bathroom this morning, which is now a movie was a book, but like about the strokes and all those folk in the early twenties and just how party centric it was. And I was like, even in 2000, this was like a tired stereotype. I'm like, it just seems weird to me that we don't, that, as a mass look at it and go, okay, we can move on from this now. Can't we? But people are still like, it's rock and roll. You know what I think it is? I don't even know if it, I mean, yes, it's the, it's rock and roll thing, but I also think, first of all, I think being an artist is a, is a form of mental illness. (laughs) Um, And I think being a musician is partly, uh, or at least trying to be a musician as a career, you have to be, or you eventually will at some point feel a little addicted to uh, adrenaline, addicted to attention. Um, you have to have a little bit of this addictive personality to to pursue this. And, um, and so I think it makes sense that so many musicians also have addiction issues because it's like you're 
you're chasing a high, like when you make music and you're chasing a feeling of community and you're chasing, you know, that stuff. So it makes sense that it makes sense that it's such a trope and that it is so endless. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, a lot of the people I know, and it's now that I'm older to see what the arc of the people I started with to where we are now and how many people are sober and how many of us were simply had mental health issues and were self-medicating. Totally. totally. I mean, that's a, once I quit drinking, I was able to go, oh, I have, like, quickly, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I've got some things going on that I was not aware of. Mm-hmm. Or maybe others were, but I certainly wasn't. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, and of course we could go on the broader scale and this country needs to be better about mental health because it's a broader issue. Yeah. And we do fucking nothing. <laughs> Is it offensive that I just diagnosed every artist with a mental health issue? <laughs> no, because I think there's an element of truth to that. And I yeah. think like there's a... I'll speak for myself. I think that making music is a mental health issue for me. <laughs> okay. But I mean, you watch dudes like Thelonious Monk and it's like, clearly there was, there's reasons he was so genius, but it's also, he would like walk in circles and, and I think some of it was calculated weirdness and some of it was issues. Charlie Parker was yeah. probably oh a heroin addict because he was self-medicating. Yeah. I know so many musicians who have, um, like compulsive, uh, like obsessive compulsive issues. Yeah. It's like a lot of, um, like that walking in circles thing sounds like that to me. Like I have a thing that I do that's that like only my bandmates know about that I do. That's like a little compulsive that I do when we're playing and, uh, and it affects, it affects it negatively. It's not good. It's not useful. Um, and my, my bandmates were like, wait, that you're what? They were like, wait, why do you have to do that? You know, it's like, it's just like, it's, uh, you know, we, we self-soothe or we like tell ourselves that it's, uh, somehow gonna, I don't know, give you good luck or whatever. If you do some weird fucking yeah. habit made up, it's like, you know, it's weird. <laughs> you do, I think a lot of people have that that you don't realize, you know. Yeah. I And sometimes it's probably why something sounds so good. Sometimes someone's it's because they've got amazing, you know, an amazing ear for frequencies because they are nitpicking on a compulsive level. Oh yeah. I mean, that would go back to Brian Wilson. I like I think perfectionists def, like there's something going on in the upstairs. Yeah. I mean, fucking Charlie Chaplin would reshoot things a thousand times. And it's like, dude, you probably could have gotten away with five <laughs> over the year 50. Wow. So do you do anything to sort of uh, work your brain to keep it positive, to keep it w- working properly? I don't oh, know if that was a fake question. Like medicine? or <laughs> No, I meant like, like I meditate every mo- most mornings. And I literally sit down and say, okay, this is how you have to think throughout the day. Like I prep myself for the day. Otherwise I'm a shit fire. That's so good. I tried meditating. I tried, I tried it. I gave it a real try. I, I actually used it. I used it to fall asleep last night, which I know you're not supposed to do, but I did. Fuck I, 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 I use it usually when I have to do a podcast the next day and I get really anxious about doing a podcast. I just cannot sleep. I start freaking out about you're going to ask me something that's going to, I don't know, <laughs> make me feel crazy. And then I'm like spiraling and then I have to do, uh, I have to meditate to go to sleep. But um, I don't really use it for mental health, like on a regular basis, like I should. But I, I do take actual medicine, which has really helped me. Um, and I go through phases of trying to habit track, which I think is helpful. Um, like make a, checklist of daily, uh, health, healthy habits that I can try and achieve every day. I think I'm due for like doing a little bout of that upcoming. My partner uses some kind of journal app that helps that's specifically designed to, for 
thought because I create a lot of stories in my head. Like I'm like, oh, they did this, so it must be blah 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 blah. So it's like to help track. But meditation has helped me track that. Also, I say whoever said you shouldn't use meditation to fall asleep can fuck themselves because I'm like, <laughs> it's for whatever you like, whatever purpose it serves. Well, I think I don't know because you do TM, right? I've t- I do a hodgepodge, but I took those classes. I'm a little sketchy uh, about how much they charge for classes because I'm like, that's not yeah. sp- spiritual. Spirituality shouldn't be about profit. You fucks. I know, same. <laughs> I was. But, I was really. I was really um, anti uh, TM because of that, and um, and my parents swear by TM. That they swore. They swore by. It. They really were like, you have to try this. It was one of the last things I tried before I tried literal medication. Um, but they made me take the TM class and I, and I actually, I really tried it the twice a day, 20 minutes for two months. They were like, you, it doesn't count unless you do it that, like that way. Like, and you know, you don't eat beforehand, like all this like weird specific, you know, way that you're supposed to use it. And it, and I was like touring and I was like trying to make everybody like leave me alone in the green room so I could do my 20 minutes, you know, before going on stage and stuff like that. And it was just like, Ultimately, I came home from that tour and I was like, I need pills. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I feel like TM is one of those things where you're not really supposed to use it to fall asleep because it like takes away from what it's supposed to be doing, which is like during the day, these the way that they want you to use it. But I do use it to fall asleep when, it's de- when I'm desperate. Uh, I feel like I researched it a bit before I did it, the whole mantra thing. I'm like... It, they make it they're like oh this has been inspired from the Manarishi and I'm like that's fucking bullshit like you are just some dude like don't like like but that, he did the Beatles <laughs> did, but like I feel like the mantra thing having something to like a sound or something that you repeat I think that helps keep you yeah. focused but it could have been any goo goo gaga word in the you know like it like oh totally the whole it comes from the Manarishi it's like Please. Oh, and that you're not allowed to tell it to anyone. <laughs> Mine is thumper, thumper, bump, bump, bump. No. <laughs> but I feel like that's also horseshit. Fire I'm... reveals mantra on podcasts. <laughs> but I also <laughs> feel like... from the TM. I'm sure there's like 50,000 people who have the same mantra. Oh, of course, of course. And I actually like almost told my mom mine. <laughs> what if she flipped out? No, it was really funny. We were like talking about something and we were trying to figure out like where I knew someone from. And we like came upon this like last name of this family that we like had crossed paths with. And I was like, wow, that like reminds me of my TM mantra, that last name. And she was like, wait, that's really similar to my TM mantra. And I was like, okay, let's not, let's not continue this. Like, let's not know that we have the same one. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like weirdly protective of it, but I also am not like a, I don't really buy into that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, it's really just kind of like, I don't know. I, I, I buy into it a little bit. I think like having a secret and holding it forever can be really powerful. Yes, I'll agree with that. I did it because I worked I worked with Rick Rubin and I was like wow. so impressed of his sort of like in it he was. And I was like, oh, maybe there's something to this. But I... Just yeah. think, but also he has two hundred million dollars, so maybe there's a little bit of calm that comes with the two hundred million. <laughs> this, is, this was my whole thing about TM was I was like, anyone who has an hour to spare every day to do this is already pretty happy. You I, know? I, 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 can I was really I was fuming when they were like, You have to devote an hour of your day. Like <laughs> I was like, I'm busy. <laughs> I did the two times a day thing, but it's also it's like I I get up insanely early because I have to wake up before my kids so I can get like right and do things. The second round, I often fell asleep because I'm like, this is a fucking long ass day. I got like, so I just, and I used to do other kinds of fucked around with other kinds of meditation and stuff. So I just kind of hodgepodge it now. And it's like, yeah, whatever works for me in that day to get my brain to focus. Yeah. And I, I and like that's what basic Buddhism is. He, Buddha was like, whatever works for you is what you do. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Oh, I just was curious who you listen to, what episodes, because I'm always curious. How, 
Oh, um, I listened to the first one I listened to was Spencer Peppet from the Ophelia. Oh, I like her. I know her. Um, and then I listened to uh, Leah Wellbaum. Oh, I like her too. She's great. Harmar Superstar and uh, Eric Slick and I think one other one. I'm trying to remember. Uh, those I definitely listened to those four. Oh, that's a, I was just always curious because I'm yeah. I just a, picked like a selection, you know. That was. I don't know. I have, I have a really, I get really anxious about doing stuff like this because it is like something that the reason I write so many songs is because I feel that I will never fully express who I am and I'm constantly chipping away at it over many, many years. And I'm going to keep doing that. Um, and like, no one will ever like know your full self. And it's like so hard to like show who you are in like a nutshell moment. And, um, and so I've kind of like given up at like trying, I think it's helped me to feel like, Oh, well I don't have to like tell my story of like, this is what Frankie Cosmos is in an hour. I can actually just like have a conversation. I, that's what I like about your podcast is it's just like conversations and little glimpses into pe- people, but it's not like, how did you start making music? And how did you, it's not like the whole tale because you can never capture that. And it's like, no one's ever going to listen to every interview I've done or at, read every single thing. And piece together my whole story like there's always going to be uh everyone's going to have their own version of you know how they interpret your your thing but um but I don't know I think I think maybe that having artists having like a voice like a direct voice to consumers now like having Twitter and Instagram and all this stuff TikTok it's like you can either get really like internal and like not post anything and you know, try and really curate your persona or whatever, or you can just like kind of spit it all out and be like, people are going to get what they're going to get. And someone might like misunderstand me at some point. So I'm kind of more in that direction. You bring up an interesting thing because I struggle with this too. And like, it's like that exposing, because there's the belief or that a lot of, uh, to me, the artists I'm attracted to are like really exposing themselves. And that's like, when I saw Spalding Gray as a young person, I was like blown away by how much he revealed of like just really vulnerable. Like there's a thing scene in one of his books where he quite literally fucks the earth. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, you know, I was afraid to tell people I masturbated. Like that was like a whole, like, and it's like, guess what? Everybody has, or I would think most anyway, it doesn't matter. But I was like, how much, and like with my, the person I'm spending my life with, like how much, Cause there's things I'm afraid to share with her and I've sort of slowly been like, Hey, there's this thing, nothing like, you know, that there's a body in the desert or something. <laughs> like, uh, but, yeah, know. no, totally showing. I mean, how scary is it? Have you ever had your heart broken? Oh God. Fucking just dragged down the street. Destroyed. Cause it's so scary when you've shown who you are to someone and then they still don't love you. That is petrifying. Yeah. If you want makes you want to go oh, yeah what parts do i show what parts when do i show this part <laughs> yeah and i grew up in a very masculine tough guy and i think and i feel i hope that that world is fading a bit but like you had to have facades for survival yeah you couldn't like and i i'm a guy who cries really easily so that was not an easy thing to navigate (laughs) yeah yeah oh my god but like i don't know like you can you ever really fully expose yourself and like or there's also part of me that's like maybe some things are just for myself but like i feel weird about that too i don't know it's like very complex yeah totally totally i mean i i feel like that too i i write a lot about this you know it's it's uh there's a song on our new record about this. <laughs> um, you know, this, uh, as I was going through our record, trying to figure out what stuff is about for like the internal, you know, notes or whatever, I was like, I find that the thing that scares me like deeply is opening myself up and not being able to close the the floodgates or something. Oh, and like yeah. fear of, you know, showing, yeah, showing a little bit and then showing too much or whatever. I mean, whatever it is. And I think also my thing comes from, I mean, it sounds like your, your upbringing is, you know, there's all this mass, you know, toxic 
masculinity or like shame based stuff that's part of it. And like, you seem to be doing a really good job of like being radically vulnerable and, you know, going against that, that stuff. Um, my thing was like, my parents are famous. So the way that they are about being private people has made me like, I'm, I want to be very private and I also want to respect their privacy. (laughs) And then I'm also like, but how do I be honest and talk about my upbringing or my parents or anything without doing something that's like going against what they want with. Yeah. So I don't know. I think there's like a shame element to that too, of like, yeah, trying to control, trying to control public perception. You can never, you can never control the way the public's going to perceive you. Yeah. And I think like there is an element of that within like, just like, let's not pretend this is who we are type of thing in American society. Like my mother is very much like, my family, she lives a lie about my family and she will not address the ugly truths of our family. And that's like, and it was just like, let's, and it's very American and it's very yeah. Puritan really of like, let's, here's our facade of fucking bullshit. And like, while totally. everybody's just crumbling and, and totally. like a mess. So I would totally. think with your parents, it must be a layered another layer of complexity or no, or maybe it's all the same. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, just, it's just a different version of the same thing, which is like, there's, there's, and I think a lot, yeah, a lot of people have families like what you're describing where it's like, there's a story that you tell about your family to yourselves and to your, to your people around you and to the public. And then there's the truth of what your actual experience was like. Um, and that those can be at odds (laughs) for a lot of people. Um, but it took me a minute to figure out who your folks were and I didn't, oh, and really? I don't, yeah. And I would say, I mean, I, do, but I don't like, you wouldn't be the first person I've had on the podcast whose parents are like Austin Leonard Jones's dad is Tommy Lee Jones. And it's like, I don't give a, I mean, I like Tommy Lee Jones, <laughs> but that's not why the person I want to talk to Tom, uh, Austin Leonard Jones. Had, have you heard Austin Leonard Jones's music? No. He's really good. Cool. There's a you know I love to connect with other celebs kids. So I'm just like, <laughs> we all um, have parties together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, me and him and uh, and Chet Hanks hang out a lot. Oh uh, yeah. Well, you got you and Chet Hanks are doing some duets, right? <laughs> honestly, you know, I actually do know Chet. I did oh, do know Chet Hester when we were children. Um, Is there a and I like? <laughs> we're not in touch though. <laughs> oh, I was just going to be curious if there's like. Because, you know, a lot of times, like, however he presents himself to public, I'm like, he could be a totally different dude. I don't know. I don't know what he's like now, but he was a a lovely five-year-old, you know. (laughs) Um. (laughs) If you're a dick at five, boy, oh, boy, there's some real serious. (laughs) But I knew some dicks at five. Like, my town had some really mean five-year-olds, so. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know. I I think the... uh, I think the I'm, I'm surprised that it was hard to figure out who my parents are because I feel like for a long time it was like their names came before mine in my like Spotify bio which I have no control really? over yeah there was a I feel like I mean now that I'm like an adult it feels really I mean it made sense when I was like 18 that people were obsessed with who they were but now I think I'm like I'm 28 like I'm not it's a little bit um I want to say belittling and misogynistic to be obsessed with like who an adult woman's parents are, but (laughs) especially when it's like not, but you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I feel very lucky that I have a good relationship with them because it would be very hard to go about the world upholding a lie. If I, you know, about them, if I was not close with them or something like I love, I, I do feel like they're amazing. And so I'm, I'm okay with like talking about them in a way that a lot of people probably don't have with their with their folks yeah just from what i've read about the influence on your music from your mom i was like god damn that's cool yeah she's awesome they're both really good musicians they both played on our last record actually. oh really yeah not this one but the one before um from 2019 did your mom ever get a producing credit on anything because of the she did on my on an old old demo where where she first had me turn off the effect on my vocal <laughs> i think it's called like you know whatever the song title and then it says like produced by Momi. <laughs> you have a, don't you have a, I can't recall, but don't you have a lot of stuff up on Bandcamp? Do you have a lot yeah, of that old yeah, stuff? Up? On Bandcamp, yeah. 
that's pretty it's groovy. Super, super raw. Speaking of speaking of opening the floodgates, I mean, it's that's like, you know, that's where it all started. <laughs> I mean, I like like I like Phil Overham type Mount Erie and like early, like that whole weird Anacortes scene was like really great for that. And like, I think it's Little Wings first. I think it's his first album. Is like so lo-fi it's like like you can even hear the click click on the it's pretty but i i don't know i love that yeah yeah i was just remembering um this is totally a other total uh tangent um but i was just remembering that we used to when i was whenever that first regina specter album came out um that we like someone gave us a cd of it me and my mom and we loved it so much and i feel like that was her weird lo-fi production of like, I think she was like, you know, doing backup vocals in the same vocal take as the lead vocal and just kind of like leaning away and doing a backup vocal. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. And it was so inspiring to me. I feel like from a, it was the first time that I was like, you know, intrigued by uh, production, you know, that felt homemade or whatever is like, I think Regina Spector was one of those first artists like that for me. I'm going to have to find that album yeah yeah i want to revisit it too because i just remembered it the other day my mom and i were talking about that i was like oh yeah that was cool um but my mom likes a lot of cool music my mom showed me like liz fair from a young age and stuff so she's got cool taste all right liz fellow chicago girls (laughs) yeah i like it well it does does he still do like live theater and stuff he hasn't for a few i mean he hasn't since covid he's he is shooting a a series right now though oh pretty intense pretty intense uh apple tv series um for the last like year so he's you know he's he's still won't retire (laughs) i think that's always interesting because like creative people like gene hackman retired but it's like Mm. i don't know it's like create you can't quit being creative like totally it's just you it's what you do like i couldn't imagine even if no one pays attention like i'll do something totally that's the thing is like when people say to me like what's like what's your plan? Like, what's going to happen? I mean, especially now that the music industry is completely crumbled. I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to keep making music. Like you can't freaking stop me. So it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know. (laughs) It's funny. I thought about that this morning. I was like, I put out a record to raise money, but nobody buys records. (laughs) Well, it's not a record. I wish we didn't release it on anything because it seemed kind of contradictory to be like, climate change here's a plastic thing you can buy yeah exactly exactly but like i want a record of it for me oh yeah do you do records do you collect records we do. We, uh yeah I, I have some records i actually was just saying to nick duncan the other day i was like i think i'm gonna just quit streaming altogether and only listen to records because i'm so sick of uh i mean i use title which is i keep meaning to switch to that but i don't do spotify yeah that's good I don't know, like, title's fine, but it's, like, it's a little glitchy. It's, like, if you, t- you know, like, you're, like, scrolling and you accidentally touch something and it starts playing it. It's, like, oh, my oh. God, I feel so old. I'm, like, I my fingers, like, I can't do that. I don't know. I just feel like I can't. It's not It's not intuitive to me the way that, that like, an old scrolly iPod is. <laughs> yeah, I miss that. I Somebody was telling me that they, Spotify compresses the sound. But yeah, like, title is supposedly like much better, like quality. That's why I want it. But like, to, I think compressing the sound and fucking that, like over years, that's going to affect the way people listen to things. And I think that's mm-hmm. that alone is bad enough. Yeah. Do you follow um, or do you read like Liz Pelly's writing at all? No, but I'll write that down because I like to read. He's a really cool. She used to be like, or she's like, was a music journalist, but now she really like it seems like she focuses on, she writes a lot about like the streaming, basically anti-Spotify stuff. She's like really, uh, you know, writes cool stuff about it, but she wrote this whole thing about how Spotify, um, how like streaming is actually like, like as bad for the environment as like pressing vinyl, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Interesting. <laughs> because of all the like data farms that oh. have to like be, pinged in order to like get the song to you and like you know because streaming has made us I, i'm totally paraphrasing and i don't have good like science um you know brain for telling this story but you should, i'll just send you her article but Please it do. was like about how like 
because of streaming, we now expect to be able to hear whatever we want, whenever we want. And that that is actually worse for the environment in terms of like the amount of like data that we're all going to, you know, we end up using as opposed to, I don't know. I sent you my email. Oh, cool. Uh, and that's because my friend calls me Matt Dwyer or he, call, he calls me that instead of Matt I, Dwyer because he I smokes like a lot of pot. Genius. Those lab pot, you know, it really does one the creative uh, brain. I think, uh, oh, I was trying to, I was, I was trying to do a documentary about Spotify and streaming, really? but uh, I kind of couldn't get a, a certain producer's attention on it. And so I got mm -hmm. frustrated because I don't probably ultimately, there's not a lot of money to it, but I'm like, this is a story people need to know. I feel like people yeah. don't fully understand the weight of what is happening. Totally. I mean, it's, it's so interesting to watch how much it's, I mean, if it has changed so much, even since I started being in the music industry, it's really very shocking. And then you hear fucking shit like, uh, uh, like live nation. I saw somebody tweet the other day, live nation took 30% of their merch. And it's just like, fuck you. That's like mob yeah. shit. <laughs> it's like, it's oh, insane. No, total, it's a total nightmare. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. I saw, do you follow, or do you spend much time on Twitter? Or are you smart? Uh, not so much, no. I mean, I go on it and I tweet stuff about our releases or whatever. I tweeted today, but I, I don't really, I don't spend a lot of time on it. Uh, I, I like, I like following Damon something Polish. Yeah. And, like guys like Steve Albini because like Albini will have they'll both have yeah Steve Albini does really good on Twitter I tried to get him on the record this album oh he nah, he, he, he was like we don't he's like the way we work he's like we don't have anything already recorded and he's like the way we work is too slow but he's like yeah. he offered his studio which I thought was really cool awesome. he's like he's like I'll produce something he, or engineer because yeah. he doesn't say produce He's yeah. like, so he, but his, when I worked at Second City in Chicago, his now wife, then girlfriend was the house manager. So wow. he would come like, and I made the pre-show music and like his girlfriend once was like, who made this tape? And I was like, me. And she's like, that's my boyfriend playing. And I was like, what? <laughs> because this is like circa 94 when In Utero was out. <laughs> so I was like, but I was also a big fan of wow. his. But he would come around and like whoever was recording, he would bring to our show, which was always just like, I would, Steve Albini in the audience made me nervous. I won't lie. <laughs> it was a comedy show, right? Yeah. So yeah, it so made cool. no sense, but, but yeah, he was no, like, so fun. he was always, and I put together a benefit once for uh, a comedian who was sick and, and he like donated and got all these bands to donate stuff to like for a raffle like cheap trick like fucking everybody it and he's like yeah he went so above and be, like he has this rep as being a curmudgeonly guy but all i ever saw him do was just be generous and cool as fuck i feel like he has a great reputation i mean at least amongst mus musicians i, I don't know I yeah don't know i think because he like producers feel about it but i love what he has to say about that whole thing i think it's really cool i do too i think because he's like he's shit he openly will shit talk people but sometimes i feel like they deserve it <laughs> like <laughs> like i feel like he doesn't and it's like his opinion and i'm like good for you. like i feel like we're also in an era where people are so afraid to make waves and he's mm -hmm. like no this is what i feel yeah and you know who else i really like on twitter is deer Hoof. oh yeah yeah that is really, it's really comforting to me, like to see the stuff that they are willing to say, because I think there is this fear of saying, of referencing our crumbling industry. You know, it's like you, everyone's pretending like everything's fine. And so for them to be like, touring is horrible right now. And this is the deal with COVID and this is how it is affecting tour musicians. Like, I think it's so cool that they like write that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I think most of that is Greg, the drummer. Yeah. And when I was putting together the Patreon, uh, or not, God damn it, the <laughs> documentary about Spotify, when I was trying to do that, he's one of the guys I interviewed. And I, I actually can send you the link if you're interested, but I talked to him for like 
an hour and his boy oh boy is he just like an inspired like but it's on it's like whatever it's private on youtube but i can send you the link if you're interested and is he not you never had him on the podcast he has been on the podcast this was separate he did the podcast and john one of the guitarists did the podcast Cool. I just saw. Oh, the, I also listened to the Chris Cohen in one. That's the first. That's oh, the first one I. Heard. He's great too. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. just saw Deerhoof Sunday. Oh, nice! God damn, they're so, so fucking good. good. Yeah. They're so. Good. And one of the opening acts was called Clark and the Himselves, which is a one-person band, and it was. And I just went and I was like, I was like, oh, I felt I kind of feel. So I was like, oh, I feel bad. Some They're playing it like so early and nobody's going to be there. And I was like, I'll go and support this person. <laughs> and they were so fucking good. I was like, oh, thank God I came here. That's and, cool. And I think, and a great songwriter. They just do the drums and the guitar and the vocals. Sort of like, what's his name from King Kong Barbecue Show. Oh, cool. But, uh. Nice. Anyway. Have you had Steve Mulvaney on the podcast? I asked him once and I, he, I, but then we got, he, we messaged, but I keep, I'm like nervous to ask him, but I keep, I'm going to ask. Yeah. Why not? Again. But yeah. yeah, I, I, I think he would say, that's the one thing I want to say about that generation of like, like Fugazi, Albini, like that old punk, they all don't give a fuck. They don't ask. Like some people are like, how many listeners do her? Mm-hmm. Like Brandon, the drummer for Fugazi was like, Yes. And like gave yeah. me his phone number. They have no pretense about them, which I'm like, I love. Yeah. And he was just like, yeah, text me. We'll figure this yeah. out. Cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's sick. How do you find, I'm curious how you like find new music or like, where do you go to seek that out? Is it just recommendations from friends and stuff? Uh, everything. I, I follow venues on Instagram, which is kind of a cool one. Like, uh, I found Ganser because I follow the hideout in Chicago. So I'll follow that. I'll follow really small labels. Uh, and then I end up having a lot like per- perpetual doom is a small label and they put out a lot of stuff. I like, uh, Orndale records, which is Owen from Ashworth from Casio tone cool. blogs. And I ask, I always want to hear what people are li- like, people dm me too and like hey can i do your podcast and uh, you know i I say i can't have everybody but i'll definitely listen i'll listen to anything if somebody sends it cool how do you find stuff just yeah i don't know rent like randomly i don't know mostly from friends i don't i don't listen to that much different music so it's like if, if i get recommended something but um but yeah i always wonder i don't know like i just did an interview for like a like a uk like you know typed like blog kind of thing and uh and i checked it out and i was like wow there's all these bands i've never heard of like this is such a cool it's like it's so cool that people read blogs and find music that is not being like advertised to them elsewhere and i ended up finding like a really cool band that i actually i, I saw i was like saw a picture and i was like wait i know that person i was like they must have a new band and i like and it was like my friend's new band that i hadn't heard of and it was so good um so I feel like that's it's just always interesting to me the way that people you really do have to seek it out. Yeah, and that's what I I try to do. And like, there's sometimes a, Bandcamp recommendations I'll get into Bandcamp as well. Or like I follow there's a record store called Permanent Records here, and they will post a lot. And they have a lot of they also have shows because they have a bar. So that will be a lot of smaller local bands or touring. So like I feel, and then if I follow them on Twitter or Instagram, they will post about bands they like. So it sort of becomes this, cause I try, I got, when I first started doing all musicians, I would get sort of caught up in like trying to get bigger and like stupid ego shit. And then I was like, I always try to go back to music that I just want to talk to people that interest me and their music strikes me. And I, cause sometimes like when, I got Wayne Coyne. I was like, oh, this is going to be great for the podcast. And I'm like, I mean, I love Wayne Coyne and I wanted to talk to him, but I'm like, that's not the attitude I want to have because that's destructive. (laughs) Totally, totally. Well, that's, I'm always, I'm always, 
it's it's nice that you actually wanted to talk to me because I'm always afraid that it's just like oh Becca's like pushing me on someone who doesn't care or whatever like you never know so it's nice that you actually uh like have done your research and and are such a good so nice to talk to I've had one <laughs> I've a couple times I've had people I whose music I didn't care for one was kind of a payback for the for flaming lips guy mm-hmm. but for the but sometimes there's there was a couple artists where I was like ah okay and then I got to love their music and sometimes those were my best interviews but then yeah. I I appreciated the music it was me being like not in the right space when I heard it or totally. like so and that's when I learned that I had to challenge myself and be like you have to listen and be able to articulate why you don't like something it can't just be like boo impulse because that's not always yeah, yeah. And and I I was wrong, with the exception of the favor, every time. And I, like yeah. now I'm like, oh, these people are genius, and I'm fucking stupid. <laughs> I love that. No, I love that. I really like try and I try and uh, emulate that same kind of thing. I try and do the be generous as a listener, like as much as I can. Yeah. I like I like to pretend that it's something that like, uh, but this is a trick that my my teacher taught me in in high school. She was like if you ever don't want to read something, pretend that your crush recommended it to you. And I was like, okay. That's good <laughs> and advice. So, like, we were trying to like read some boring like book for college or whatever was the concept. But I, I you can use that for music too. pretend like you're like someone you really respect or, you know, admire said it's their favorite and then yeah. try and like, um, imagine if everyone went around the whole world like that, we would all love everything, man. <laughs> But it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Cause I love when people recommend stuff, I love when people love something and they post about it. I'm like, that is so important. Like I really try and do that too. Cause it's like, yeah. yeah. Share the love, you know? And I'm trying, <laughs> I got loud on your end for some reason. Now I'm trying to live that the podcast is just whatever I want to, like I saw Clark and the himselves. I messaged them on, Instagram that night and was like, I loved your set and I listened to the music on the drive home and I was, I was like, I want to have you on. And I didn't give a, I didn't look to see how many fucking listens they get. Yeah. Cause it's, That's cool. I'm going to read I'm going to check it out. Uh, the, their new album is not uh, streaming. It's only on Bandcamp, but nice. the, I'll send you a video cause I really liked this video of, of theirs. Cool. They have an album called Pot Pot Sounds, which is not the weed, but it's like, but it's kind of different than the other stuff because the other stuff is kind of garagey, but this is a bit bit more like layered and. Hard. But I think I think you'll like it. Cool, sweet. I'm excited. Uh, now I should probably go because for one, yeah, I got I got a bladder uh, that's gonna pop. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't wait to go pee. Um, but it was so nice meeting you, and You're thank you great. so much for having me.